0: back to The Next Big Thing podcast. I'm your host, Sam Ogborn. If you've been obsessed with beauty during quarantine, you will absolutely love today's episode. Today, The Next Big Thing interviews Liz Bishop, who is the CEO and founder of Urja. Liz is a beauty pioneer, having already founded two beauty brands. I'm going to guess that there's probably a few female founders and budding entrepreneurs who are currently living the hashtag corporate life Liz is very familiar with that. She came from about 20 years in the CPG industry. What I loved about interviewing Liz was that she has such a passion. It's not only what she knows, but she's had personal experience dealing with inflammation that really inspired her to build the Urja brand. Also, if you're someone who's looking to get into the beauty industry a bit more as an entrepreneur, Liz gives some really awesome tips around ways to navigate, especially when it comes to things like formulations. So if you want to listen to someone that has truly well-rounded experience, not only in marketing, but in the beauty industry, this is the episode for you. Give it a listen and I'll catch you on the flip side. Hey, Liz, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here.
1: Hi, Sam. Thank you for having me. Great to be here.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the launch of Ursha. It sounds like it was late last year, is that right?
1: Well, we launched at the very end of last year, basically about the 1st of November. Um, And our intention was to take the first four to six months of 2020 and really just build our community, get feedback, um, kind of a friends and family soft launch. And then of course, COVID hit and all bets were off. So, you know, here we are four, six months into the launch of Versia and everything's fine. And we'll get into that, you know, a little bit more in the podcast, but uh, we're not obviously where we thought we would be today, but we're happy to be here today. And that's really, you know, at the end of the day.
0: Well, we couldn't be happier to have you on here tell listeners a little bit more about your background.
1: Yes. So my background really is kind of, I was born into the beauty industry. Um, my dad, uh, spent his 40 plus year career with Elizabeth Arden. So I was really born into the industry, really saw it evolve for the 30 or so years that, you know, I was, um, kind of working, not working with him, but living with him, and we were moving across the country and the globe as, you know, he moved up that corporate ladder. But really, my experience came from uh, 15 years in pharmaceuticals. So um, I was in sales, marketing, business development for very recognizable companies like Johnson & Johnson, Klein, Valiant. So a very interesting corporate grind of a career must have moved four or five times for different opportunities. But it was about 2004 when I was with Valiant out in California, and we had a skincare brand that had two products in our dermatology portfolio by the name of Kinerace, And it was really where, you know, my upbringing in the beauty world and my experience in pharmaceuticals collided. And um, I really left the corporate and pharmaceutical world in 2008, 2009, and have really been anchored not only in skincare, primarily within the beauty category, but really in this entrepreneurial startup founder space. And Urja is actually my third um, entrepreneurial brand and experience. So
0: that's a little bit about me. Wow, just a few minor <laughs> details. Unbelievable. So what was it like growing up with someone who's from this space? I'm imagining that that probably influenced your interest in beauty a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, it absolutely. It absolutely did. Um, and I did follow in kind of behind in my dad's footsteps. I did uh, two internships with Elizabeth Arden when I was in college. And then when I graduated, I actually did work for Elizabeth Arden for kind of my first five years out in the workforce before, and it's a long story, but before I got into kind of the world of pharmaceuticals. Um, so, so, yeah, and it was very different. And, and just as much as I see kind of the beauty and skincare space evolving now, when I look back into the kind of into the 80s and early 90s, there was as much change then, albeit quite different. But this space, this industry, it's always evolving and always changing. And I think, in part, that's really what I love about it. Nothing is ever stagnant. There are always people out there, you know, pushing it forward, moving it forward, challenging kind of the norms and the status quo. And I've just always loved to
0: be a part of that. Love it. Always got to be a part of the movers and shakers. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so tell listeners a little bit more about what Urge of Beauty is and what makes it different.
1: Sure. Well, it really kind of came from my own journey. I I knocked on the door of 50 years of life and was just mentally and physically and emotionally exhausted. You know, I'd been in the corporate grind for probably 25 years. I'd raised two kids. We have moved countless times across the country. And all of a sudden I was just burnt out. And so I really went on a personal journey just to kind of put myself back together. So I could have another 50 years. <laughs> and, uh, and, and much of that journey, again, it was taking a more natural approach. You know, I, I wasn't as much as I had kind of grown up in pharmaceuticals, really wasn't as interested in, in that path as I was exploring kind of natural alternatives and things that I could do myself. And much of that journey led me to the effects of inflammation on our health on our physical health, on our mental health, on our emotional health. And much of that kind of chronic inflammation comes from stress and stress from anxiety and the foods we eat or don't eat and the sleep or the lack of sleep and exercise that we get. And all of these little things that in and of themselves might not amount to much or much of an impact you know, on any aspect of our health, but when you combine them, which is I think what happened to me year after year for several decades, I just was exhausted. And so I really started to primarily, initially, reduce inflammation in my diet. And I found when doing that, all of a sudden I was sleeping better, I had more energy to exercise, I had more patience, And that really led me to, well, our skin is our largest organ. And so I really, again, opened up this journey to, well, what's at the root of so many of our skin concerns, be it acne, be it rosacea, sensitive skin, even fine lines and wrinkles and texture of skin as we get older. And lo and behold, it's this heightened inflammation kind of system that's in our skin. So yes, when I started reducing inflammation in my diet, I noticed this improvement in my skin. And that's really what Urja is all about. So we focus on inflammation in the skin, but we recognize that our skin is a very integral part to our whole system, emotionally, mentally, physically. So everything that we do, we've done so far and continue to do at Urja, it's very holistic because we do recognize that one thing will absolutely impact another. So everything from obviously the ingredients we use to the colors for packaging we've selected to the names, everything is, it's, it's a very deliberate decision, a very mindful and conscious decision so that one plus one doesn't necessarily equal two, we'd like it to equal three. We'd like to heighten and elevate that skincare
0: experience really more into that wellness
1: experience.
0: I love everything that you just said. I think so many women experience inflammation and don't know what to do about it. Right.
1: And there's there's so much you can do, and that is part of our Urja platform that we are developing. If you go to our social sites. Not only is it a platform to learn about ursia and the ingredients, but we're developing it out to be an educational platform. So we'll offer up uh, just, even if it's tidbits of positivity or, or certain experts, you know, in the field of dermatology or wellness or functional medicine, where people can go and just themselves learn. Um, and again,
0: just, just again, to link the holistic wellness of the entire body, but we lead with skin. So cool. I love it. What does the Urja name mean? Um, because it's a beautiful name. And then also too, how do you see Urja Beauty really differentiating itself in the beauty and wellness space?
1: Yes. So the first question is the Urja name. And for all of us out there that you know have a marketing background, we know how important finding a name that you can trademark and own is. I mean It's step one. So we actually went through several kind of blue sky naming iterations. And my main partner in crime, who also happens to be my niece, and that's another part of the story. um, But she actually came up with the name Urja. And Urja means energy, strength, and breath. And as soon as I heard that, Everything made sense to me. I could see the direction we were going. I could see the positioning of the brand. The name was just perfect in pulling all of the pieces together, which is important when you're building a brand. So you have all of those synergies and consistencies throughout the brand. And we were able to trademark it. So uh, it really was a win. But as I say, energy, strength, and breath not only is the foundation and fundamentals of good skin, but of good health. So it, uh, it really is a, a beautiful name and a platform for us to build a brand from.
0: Ooh, this is good. You clearly understand marketing and branding, which I love as a marketer myself. Would love to understand a little bit more about the trademarking process. As you know, that process is absolutely critical to securing a brand name yes. that you can use. And I would love for listeners to understand, was this was Urge of Beauty the first name? Like, was that the first name that you guys came up with? Or did you have a few different ideas for names?
1: No, I would say we had a couple other names that we actually, because this has been about a three-year development process for us. And it took a couple of, I don't know. Side pathways along the way, but when we actually sat down, Molly and myself, to really kind of go through this again, it didn't take long with Urge. It was really one of the the first of maybe three or four, you know, names of this next round um, that came up. And there is a lot I've you know learned over the years. I mean, it's always safest to use a, a legal a lawyer to, to help you trademark. But if you have a unique enough name you can certainly do searches, uh, take a little bit of a risk, but a lot less expensive. So it's a risk reward ratio. Um, and to be honest, the other name, the other name really that we were set on at one point, but then did get denied um, by the USPTO, we actually used a lawyer, you know, trademark lawyer to help us through that process. But when we landed, and so that was declined. And then when we landed across Urja, We did our own um, kind of research and there was like nothing out there. So, and and we actually filed for it and got it ourselves. So my advice would be, I mean, if you can really find a unique name and you can do some research for a lot less money, um, not any more or less time, but just just the money, uh, you can do it yourself. But if you're at all, you know, not sure, then certainly bringing on, you know, somebody in that legal capacity is a really good safety
0: net to have. Totally hear you on that. I actually did mine online, but then I also talked to a lawyer. So it was a nice balance of having the personal connection and then also DIY. Yeah,
1: yep, I think that's I think that's totally important. There's just so many more resources out there, be online or even people like within our industry and beauty, there's all kinds of, of legal counsel that's out there for no charge that you know, entrepreneurs or people who aren't sure of that whole legal landscape, they can just call and ask questions or email and ask questions of for no charge. So those kinds of resources really weren't even around 10 or 15 years ago, but they certainly are now. Big Ben,
0: yeah,
1: very important. Very important to make sure your name is trademarked. Could
0: not agree more, Liz. And then also just the importance of having a brand name that is memorable and different and really sets your brand apart. So. I think you're, you're right on. Let's talk a little bit more about Urja's target consumer.
1: Well, it's interesting. I, I see our, I mean, we have now what, four to six months of sales, and we have all kinds of customers, quite frankly. I mean, we've got young women and men in their early 20s, up to, I've got a handful of women that are in their 70s. So word to the wise is you can't develop a brand that's gonna be the right fit for everybody. Um, So our kind of sweet spot that we target is um, the consumer kind of 25 to 45 years old. Um, But outside of the age, it's really the consumer, the person that is interested in their health, that questions ingredients, knows about ingredients. um, Because even though this is situated or positioned in that wellness space, my background coming from pharmaceuticals, you know, everything is data driven. You know, I have to have clinical studies to really prove to me that an ingredient or a skincare product is legit. I don't want something with a pretty name and a pretty smell that I'm going to spend whatever $100 for and isn't going to do anything. But that's not my personal DNA. So as we develop this, and we do have our own lab, And our own in house chemist who has been in the uh, beauty and personal care industry for over 35 years, ingredient by ingredient and formula by formula, we developed all of these in house. So I can certainly sleep at night knowing the products are efficacious, the ingredients that are in the formulas are in there at levels that will do something to your skin. And now we've had four to six months on the market and we're hearing this feedback from customers it works it's amazing over and over again so we we really focus uh on that consumer who wants to do something good for their skin have a little moment of kind of zen or ah you know at the end of the day we have an adaptogen a signature adaptogen scent that's in about half the product so adaptogens are known to kind of balance Your emotions help to balance your stress. So as we say, as you put the face wash into your hands and kind of start to lather it up, take a deep breath. Just breathe in the adaptogens. And again, that's that holistic approach. There's lots of cleansers out there that will clean your face, take off your makeup. But ours is just taking that to an experience level. Where some of those ingredients are in there to actually do something for you kind of mentally and emotionally. Because for some of us, that's the only me time that some people get every day is taking their makeup off, right? Is going through a five-minute skincare prep before they put their makeup on in the morning. So we, you know, we're very conscious in building the Urja brand to be an experience in addition to. You know good care. so I think that in part is what really separates us I as I look at it we're kind of that next generation of skincare because we're not just looking to treat fine lines and wrinkles or breakouts or sensitive skin we're looking deeper what's causing it it's that chronic inflammation so from a development standpoint we're looking to target that inflammation to help clear and remedy the skin but in addition we give you kind of that emotional zen
0: moment to yourself. So great, I love all of this. So based on your target consumer, let's talk a little bit about messaging because messaging is a really critical part of how a brand, as you know, resonates with its target market. When you were first launching Urja, how did you know what messaging to lead with? Was it a quick test and learn? type experiment, or was it easing into messaging, seeing how your customers responded, and then going from there?
1: A little bit of both, quite frankly. You know, I think anybody that has kind of the guts to be an entrepreneur because it's not easy, um, you have to be passionate about something. So whatever that kind of passion point is for you, um, and that's whether it's the name and the development, the ingredients, I mean, that's all leading you to a positioning and a marketing message. So at least initially, I think you have to lead with kind of your passion place because it's one thing to develop a brand and that for most of us is very exciting and sexy and you feel very creative and in your element, but then the work starts because then you have to sell something because your brand, you know, can't stay alive unless you can sell it. And so at the end of the day, any and every entrepreneur is a salesperson. And so I think a lot of people kind of misstep that and they don't think about that. The really tough part starts when what is resonating? Are people buying? And I say a lot of people will try a new product once. Do they come back? Are you building that community or that tribe? Right, that will help spread the word because that's by and large, and even more so now than perhaps three months ago. But products sell, and that's not just in beauty, but in general from word of mouth. So, do you have that momentum? Do you know? Do you have those points of interest that are grabbing people? So, just to further that thought, so I think you lead with your kind of your passion position, but then I definitely think you have to listen. You have to be open, and that's where we're at now, kind of evolving that message, that position. Again, are people coming to the website? Are they staying? You know, Are you engaging consumers on your social sites? Are those social people, the numbers, are they growing? I mean, those are just all indications that you're on the right track, that you've got the right message. It's resonating with people. People want to come to your site. They want to not only buy one product, they want to buy three. Um, and so that's, that's really where we're at. And I'll tell you, it's, it's quite interesting in this kind of crazy, chaotic time that we're in. And in, in our industry, whether it's retail, whether it's people in, in PR, there's so, so many folks that are uncertain about what their future is going to hold right now. That being said, there's a lot of talent kind of on the sidelines. And we have just been very fortunate in the last six weeks or so, to be able to tap into some of that talent and bring them kind of into the Urja war room and, and get some, because of course we listen to our consumers, so we get that perspective all the time to think about, but then to get this industry experience and, and have them come to the table with their background, their knowledge of the space, and then looking through a completely different lens of what Urja is all about. And so it's just been very valuable for us. And so even our current Urja website will look a little bit different in the next couple of months. Not an overhaul, but just in listening to the feedback. And I think it's valuable. You just kind of keep tweaking until, and I think, I don't know that there's ever a point where you stop tweaking. I think just tweaking and evolving as our customers do, as the space does, again, within your wheelhouse. But, but it's necessary, and I think it brings some interest. I think it brings some excitement. And at the end of the day, you know, you have to keep your foot on that gas to, to try to bring more customers to your brand.
0: Oh, thanks, Liz, for teeing up my next question. So you mentioned listening to your customers, having them provide feedback, and then applying that. So we all know that that's critical, so important to make sure that you're actually implementing what your customers are telling you as as constructive feedback. Let's get into a little bit more about marketing tactics. So what marketing tactics have worked really, really well for Urja and maybe some that haven't worked so well?
1: Yes. And we were kind of, you know, like many thrown into having to figure something else out because our trade shows are off the table for 2020. You don't have, you know, PR and your desk side opportunities, at least person to person. Retail is kind of another unanswered situation right now and of course I believe everything will come back but as you're a new brand this could take six months this could take 24 months right now nobody really knows so we've had to kind of come back to the table and say okay that was our plan for the back end of 2020 trade shows PR pop-ups all kinds of experiential events but we can't do those so what can we do So we've really honed in on yes, listening to our our customer base, not only listening, but you know, through Instagram, and some of the the different social platforms, you can actually go right to your consumers and ask questions. And we've certainly done that to actually solicit what they would like to see here, you know, from us, whether it's content, whether it's product. Um, So we're certainly being very proactive in engaging our consumer base as well. We've um, certainly tapped into, I would say like-minded influencers. So, I mean, that space is critically important. It's certainly a part of the beauty and wellness category. But as a small brand, you have to kind of be mindful and careful. But um, there's, there's a lot of just wonderful wellness, um, skincare guru, natural, because the brand is all natural. Um, that want to help lift a new brand. So we've been able to tap into, into several of those people. And I think importantly, we're about to embark on several um, cross-category promotions. So it's really not other skincare, or even beauty brands, but other brands and, and leading with uh, female-founded brands, because we are kind of all in this together and trying to support one another, but outside of beauty. So I think that will be really fun. I think we'll get some really key learnings um, just again to work with kind of their customers, a completely different group um, and expose them to Urja. And for us to be able to expose our Urja customers to some completely cool, whether it's candles or beverages, adult beverages, or uh, we've got a retail clothing um, collaboration we're doing. So I think all that, not only is it important for the here and now, but I think quite honestly that's gonna stay and, and be much more of a big player um, going forward until kind of the whole, I say retail, but just as our economy and, and and you know the whole world kind of starts to open up again. So we're excited about that. That wasn't really something on our immediate kind of marketing tactic um, kind of strategy or plan, but I think everybody's just had to kind of rethink uh, you know how do how do we keep afloat and keep everything not just from a financial standpoint although that is most important but just keeping people engaged and having interesting content um and so i think a lot of these cross collaborations are going to be very effective
0: yes i love liz how transparent you're being about what's happening this year it's a weird year for everyone and including brands, figuring out what tactics make sense. I also love that you mentioned cross collaborations. It seems like that's a hot thing that a lot of brands are considering doing right now. Can you tell listeners a little bit more about the process behind securing that? Was it just through an Instagram DM? Uh,
1: yep, I mean, basically, yes. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. Uh, I would say people have reached out to us as much as we've reached out to other people. And I think, you know, the way you go about it, you do have to be respectful and mindful because there's so much of people reaching out to people right now with kind of the economy shut down that whether it's LinkedIn or whether it's Instagram, there's a lot of like, let's just slide in and it can be overwhelming. So I think if you're the one reaching out and whether we're on that end or the ones being reached out to, how you do it is also very important. Um, but we're, you know, we're lucky we have relationships in some of these other sectors that we've been able to kind of know somebody that knows somebody that can open a door. So I think where you're able to have a little bit of a more of a personal relationship, at least that you can reference somebody, I, I think that always, it always helps just because it is so noisy out there right now with everybody kind of pitching everything, all kinds of things right now.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the launch of Urge Beauty. Is there anything that you wish that you knew before you launched? Well, outside of COVID,
1: (laughs) um, you know, it's interesting because, as I said, this is my third brand. And I've probably, you know, in the last 15 years worked with six or eight different startups or smaller brands. And as much as you always think you learn from experience, it's just always a learning process. There's always... And I am not, can't necessarily think of anything specifically right now, but I know several times in the last you know, few years or certainly since the launch of six months ago, I've kicked myself going, I should have known that. Like, I known that. but I think some of it is, is human nature. And I think quite honestly, if, if people kind of didn't launch or go for it before they had you know every I dotted and T crossed, like nobody would do it. I mean, if, if being an entrepreneur, if launching a brand, were easy, as they say, everybody would be doing it. It's not easy, it's not for everybody. And um, I almost think you have to have just enough of that gumption and blind faith a little bit at launch, just to go for it. Um, Now, again, that's coming from years of experience in the space, so I think it's a calculated risk and going for it because I do have experience. So I would say to, entrepreneurs or, or people kind of newly getting into the space, even thinking about it, if you don't have the background in that space, be it beauty or any other category, seek out somebody that does. Seek out somebody to counsel, to talk to, to be a mentor. You know, just to help you maybe navigate or help you think about something because you've not done it before, that, that you don't find yourself kind of at a dead end or a big roadblock that could really squash the whole endeavor. And there's so many, myself included, of us out here that are just more than happy to take an hour and talk to somebody on the phone or point somebody, point you in the right direction, whether that's legal or packaging or a good formulator. Um, and I've tapped into people even with the experience I have, but I think that's part of what this is all about. And I think what for us specifically in beauty, what the indie movement you know, has brought to the, the table is just the support and the doors that are have been opened and continue to be open you know for emerging brands because that's where the innovation right that that's where the brands of tomorrow like they're being launched today so even in the midst of covid and shelter in place and all of the uncertainties don't let go of your big ideas you know, don't let go. I mean, you, they might have to slow down a little bit. There might be a pause, but, but don't let go and just reach out to people to get the understanding, you know, take this time to research and learn. Um, because like I said, even, even stuff happens and and you just have to, to know that, okay, we can get beyond this. We can move forward and let me reach out to somebody if I'm not sure how to do it.
0: Liz, I've just got to say, it's really admirable that you would raise your hand and help listeners out. There are a lot of people in the industry that see other newcomers as competitors and are a little bit more protective about their contacts and who they work with. I love that you're basically saying, hey, we're all one team here. We're all in the same industry and we can coexist and also both be successful.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I couldn't agree more, because there's just more to it than just a formula or just a great idea. I mean, the the secret sauce is that entrepreneur that can put it all together in the fizzle, um and then sell it and get out there and sell it. And so that, that kind of, the, the icing on the cake, that 20%, that, that's up to that entrepreneur. I can't help them with that, but I can help put those building blocks in place, but then they gotta go, and that's fun to watch people that you've helped, um, had conversations with just to watch
0: them go. Yeah, that makes sense. Where do you feel like the beauty and wellness industry is headed right now?
1: Well, it's interesting. I, I do think that, you know, wellness, I mean, wellness was having its moment. Its moment was building, let's put it that way over the last couple of years. Um, you know, and much of that started a few years ago within the industry when, you know, the the verbiage of <clears throat> excuse me anti aging was kind of being shunned upon like women we didn't love that verbiage that term anymore so things were moving into self care and you know this this whole wellness movement I certainly think you know with our shelter in place for the last three months and counting that's become even you know more important um, so I think the whole wellness category is gonna Continue to just not only grow, but probably explode and that's just not beauty, but that's it's everything in wellness how we take care of ourselves how we exercise um, All the podcast headspace all of those types of things that support our mental and emotional health Because that's the other you know part of it coming out of kind of being sheltered in place for months We how do we how do we all kind of get back and emerge back into? Whatever the new normal is going to look like but that aside So that's kind of the wellness space. But the beauty space in and of itself is never going to go away because women in particular, we love a new lipstick, right? We're not, we're not walking away from any of that. But, you know, for so many of us, the last few months have not been about putting on a full face of makeup. If you're wearing a mask, it's kind of a little nasty to have your lipstick on behind the mask. So I think, you know, color cosmetics certainly aren't going away, but they might see a different way of coming out of this than I think, you know, skincare, hair care, um, certainly those anchored in wellness. Um, So how do we, how do we pivot? I really, I'm not sure yet. I mean, I certainly don't think the Sephora and Ulta's in department stores of the world are going away. Some may, but that whole sector is not going away. How we as consumers are gonna feel about that experience because that's really what so much of shopping, certainly in beauty, has been about for us as consumers. It's the experience. And uh, I think until we really kind of reopen and reengage, I don't know what that experience is gonna feel like from a consumer perspective. Um, but again, from an indie perspective, it, it kind of even further levels the playing field when not as many people perhaps are going into a Sephora. So I think there's gonna be opportunity for customers to seek out new brands Online, So I, I think that is one uh, kind of avenue that all brands, but especially newer brands, really need to kind of beef up their capabilities and understanding and kind of how they participate in the whole, you know, e-commerce, social, digital arena, uh, where that was probably not most brands initial thought process to launch a brand. I think it, it quite likely is now. And will be, at least for the near future.
0: You know, it is really interesting with COVID. There are a lot of people like myself who, even though I have beauty products that I love, I'm always looking for the next best thing to test out and try. And I almost wonder if, because everyone's been at home maybe going a little bit stir-crazy, they're actually more inclined to try new beauty products than they were before. Yes, completely. Absolutely. Even if it's
1: one thing, just, one thing, and, uh, and I think too, for so many people being in their house all the time, more people are spending time online, just searching, checking things out, going to new Instagram pages or, you know, taking that extra click or link that they wouldn't have done or when they had so much on their plate to do. So, you know, I think there is more opportunity for, um, for whether it's retailers or or some of the um, trade show companies to even further support and provide resources for smaller brands to find a voice. Because maybe you can't walk into a Sephora right now and find these new brands, but how is Sephora kind of going to pivot a little bit in light of, you know, they're reemerging, you know, back out there slowly, but surely but they don't want a year to go by and not have any new brands under the you know, world of support. And I'm just using that as an example. So I would assume over time here that a lot of the retailers will find ways to continue to embrace and kind of introduce new brands to their
0: consumers. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what's on the horizon for Urge Beauty. What's next? Yeah, well, we're not going anywhere. You know, We've really
1: kind of taken the, the pause here um, to kind of just look inward and what have we learned um, kind of where do we want to go we it's just as I always say you know when one door closes another opens and the door might not be completely open right now but for us it's very interesting because you know we've launched not only launched before COVID but our whole you know brand inception was three years ago um, and I think what Urja stands for, where it's positioned, the ingredients in the brand, the story we tell is even more relevant now than it was three or four months ago. Because I think people right now are just looking for brands and stories that feel good, that are positive. Um, And again, from a skincare perspective, that work, that smell good, um, that feel good, and and we're really that's that is that is our wheelhouse. That's our bullseye. So we are, you know, we are we do have a couple of products that we're looking to launch by the end of the year. I mean, we have big plans, you know, for the entire Urja line, and certainly the runway is open to even build out further and above and beyond than just skincare. Um, but that's kind of really the anchor right now. Um, So we will just continue to kind of tweak ourselves and really to heighten our presence online and to do more of these collaborations just to build our community um, online and, and really just to make sure that the wellness world in particular knows that we're here and really support what they're all about as well.
0: Smart. So we have a lot of current entrepreneurs and prospective entrepreneurs who are listening to the podcast. In a few sentences, what kind of advice would you give them for starting their own business?
1: I think we need every
0: entrepreneur that
1: has the vision and the guts to do it because it's it's a completely wild ride and I say that because after, you know, 15 years in corporate, it was like a 180 to all of a sudden kind of be out there and it's one thing to say, oh, it's great to kind of be your own boss and make your own decisions, but it's really tough and and there's, it's never just a smooth ride. So you have to just be of that mindset to as, not just go with the flow, but as we say, grow with the flow. You just have to be open to, to where this wild ride is going to take you. But it's just clear to me, not only in our beauty uh, sector, but if you look at others, sometimes in these times of trouble, this is when innovation happens, you know, and, and, and new ideas and uh, new mindsets emerge from this. And so even COVID aside, I just think if you've done your homework, you kind of understand your space. You've got to have something that's different. Um, and you've just got to have... The mental wherewithal, as well as you know, the financial wherewithal. That is one thing I counsel people that I speak with is if if you really aren't prepared for what it takes to be competitive in the beauty space, it will just become a very expensive hobby, and that gets very very stressful. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think it's just putting that basic business plan together so you understand what's ahead of you. But again, you don't have to have all the answers because I think part of the fun and part of what is going to push you to have to make decisions that will make you successful is that unknown, what you don't know. So I would tell those people thinking about it, just get your ducks in a row. Go for it.
0: (laughs) That is advice straight from the heart. I think a lot of people will appreciate hearing that and then also feel inspired by that. So where can people find Urja Beauty online?
1: So, our website is uh, www.ursiabeauty.com, U R J A Beauty.com, and then on Instagram or at Urjabeauty. Beauty. And Facebook is also Ursia Beauty. If in doubt, Google Ursia Beauty.
0: Sounds super easy. So, what about for people who maybe have questions? I know you offered up, which was so generous, offered up your personal LinkedIn account. So, would you mind? letting listeners know what, how they can find you on LinkedIn.
1: So I am on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a consulting company that I've had for several years, and that is www.i, the letter I, the number five, beauty.com. And um, there's my bio and some of the other folks I work with on there. And that's also another channel that you can reach me through. But yeah, if anybody just has questions wants to brainstorm um yep linkedin or, or through one of the the two emails would be just fine
0: awesome i love it hey liz thank you so much for being our very first podcast guest on the next big thing i can't wait to see what urge of beauty does in the future and for anyone that wants to follow along i'll make sure to include your website and links in the show notes so they can go check you guys out thank you again
1: That sounds great. Thanks
0: very much. So I want to give a big shout out to Liz, you guys. She was the first person that I asked to be on The Next Big Thing. So thank you, Liz, for your time and your generous tips. I know there's an entrepreneur out there that is going to be grateful that they listen to you. As a reminder, if you're interested in checking out Urja, we'll include links in the show notes. And you all know what my last call out is going to be. If you loved this episode and you want to hear more from The Next Big Thing, please go give us a rating and review. As you know, it really helps us to have ratings and reviews, so anything that you can do helps us. We really, really appreciate your time and for being a fan and listening to this new podcast. Hopefully you're binge listening to these episodes on a road trip. Maybe you're going somewhere warm. I hope you are. Or maybe you're going somewhere near the water which sounds amazing right now, or maybe you're just outside walking your dog. Regardless, thank you so much for being a listener and for being here with us. I know that I can't wait for you to check out the rest of the episodes that we have planned. So with that said, I'll catch you in the next episode.